Good morning. Are we good? It's a good day. That was a great song. Um, give, give thanks to God. And it's, uh, sometimes it's not always easy, is it, to give thanks to God when circumstances don't go the way we want them to, to go. But, you know, God still remains good. Amen. And God is good, so if we can tap into his goodness, even when it doesn't seem to be going well, we can get goodness from God, we can get God's peace, and we can get God's joy, and we can get God's everlasting presence that doesn't leave us. So that's a great song to, to sing. So if you can get online and find that song and uh, listen to it on a daily basis and encourage you to give thanks to God. Okay, so this year, I'm going to come and share the focus. Like Sarah said, the vision hasn't changed. Um, for those who were back in 2015, I shared the vision for this church and uh, what I felt God had given me way back in 2006. And I journaled it and it stuck with me, this vision that I felt God gave me. And it was a river and, um, and at the side of the river were trees and the trees were planted right by the river and they were thick and the trees were flourishing and growing and beyond those trees were more trees and more trees and more trees. That vision has not left my heart and I'm not going to let that vision go because I believe it's what God's given me. It's given us. And as Sarah said, we've kind of communicated that in a way. And we've, we've, we've basically worded it with three words, love, grow, and serve. But I want to encourage you to keep that vision in your mind. Keep the river, Jesus, in your mind. Because if we keep Jesus in our mind, he's the one who will build the church. Amen? Because he promised to build the church. So it's Jesus that builds the church. It's not me. God can use me and minister through me and other people, but together with the body of Christ, he's the head, so when we focus on him as the head, we become the body and we get built together, amen? So I encourage you, do you see the river? Do you see Jesus? Because if you don't see Jesus, if you don't have a revelation of Jesus, then you're going to struggle to get on board with what God's doing. But if you see Jesus and what Jesus has done, then it makes it much easier. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. So this is all about Jesus, I believe, in building his church. And like I said, 2015, I shared the vision and we communicated and we've been on with the vision for three years now. And last, well, over three years because it's 2018. Last year, when it was three years, I felt like something inside of me just settled. And I felt like that is the vision for the church. And that's done. The foundation is done. I don't need to do anything else about that, apart from keep communicating the vision, obviously, and living the vision. But something in me was settled. I just thought, oh, it's in. The foundation's in. And then as I began to read for this year, so this was six months ago, this scripture came to me, okay, from the book of Nehemiah. And um, it's in Nehemiah uh, chapter 2. And I'll read it to you just to give some context in this book here, Nehemiah feels called by God to go and help the people who are in disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem that protected the people were down, they were broken. The people of um, Israel had come back to Jerusalem, God's dwelling place. But the walls were down and they were intimidated and they were disgraced really. So Nehemiah basically feels called by God because he hears the need and he goes and he finds a way to get this happening. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, okay? But this scripture came to me that I felt, this is it. This is where I'm at. The foundations has gone in for this church. It's now time to start building, okay? So Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18 says this. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable, favorable to me. 
and about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, this is the people. So Nehemiah comes to communicate about God and what God wants to do. And the people say this, let us arise and build. Let us, that's the church, that's the people of God, right? That's us today. We're not the Israelites, but we are part of God's body, amen? Anybody want to arise and build? Anybody want to see the church built? Anybody want to see the body of Christ built in this day and age? You know, I, I, was, um, I had my laptop fixed this week. I took it along, just along the road here. Fix It Laptops, what a great name. You want your laptop fixing, where'd you go? Fix It Laptops, right? So I took it in there and the guy starts talking to me. And uh, he asks the question that most people ask you in life, so what do you do? You know, most of you go, I'm a teacher, or I've got to explain what I do as a pastor. Or it's easy just to say, I'm a vicar. That's the easiest way of describing what I do, okay? But he says, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. I, I, oh, right, church. Does, 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 is that still going? That's what he said to me. He said, because the churches I go, they're like, the buildings have run down, and there's a couple of old ladies in there. That's what he said to me. He, he's like... I said, yeah, our church is still going. The church is still going. It's been going for thousands of years, but I didn't get into that conversation. But I said, yeah, the church is going. So, so how many people do you get? I said, well, we average about 200 people. Last week, we had 211. The week before, 220. We've had 240. We dipped to 190, but we average 200 people. He said, wow, church still get 200 people. I said, the church gets 200 people. He says, what about, are they all old? <laughs> this is you. He's talking about you, right? Not me, right? I'm, I'm face to face. He doesn't see me as old. He sees you as old, right? But he says, are they all, are they all old? And I said, I said, well, we know we got four, about 40 or 50 kids in church last week. 50 kids? His eyes popped out of his head. I think, he's like, you're looking at me. and said, you should open a shop. Fix it, church. Not fix it, lab. fix it, church. You should open a shop. And his eyes popped out of his head. And I said, yeah, we get some young people. You get young people? I said, actually, we haven't got that many old people. We've got a few, but we haven't got that many. Here's the deal. That's people's image of the church. But that's not God's image of the church. Not a church that's alive because you're alive and the body of Christ is living and we're coming alive. Amen? And I believe we're a church that's arising. And I think we're very blessed to have you, us as a church, now at this time in this world with all the problems that are going on, we're very blessed to have the church. Amen? And he says, the people said, let us arise and build. So they put their hand to good work. And this is what I really feel for us as a church, as a church this year. And I don't think this is a, a one-week project, a two-week project, a month project. I don't think it's a six-month project. I don't even think it's a year project. I don't even think it's a three-year project. I don't even think it's a five-year project. I think this is a lifetime project if we want to be involved in the church being built. And I, I really feel this word can carry us for the next five years. Would you be willing to commit your time, your effort, your energy, your hand to good work for the next five years to see the church built up? I'm just being real with you. Because if we don't turn up, if we're not here, if we're not involved, if we don't do, the church doesn't get built. But if we're committed to say, I want to be a part of this. Just like the foundations we're in, each one of us are one of these bricks. 
And we each, each one of us are different. And each one of us have a place. And each one of us need to find our place. Need to find what our hand does. And as we're put in place and as we find our place, the church gets built. Amen? And I just want to give it a bit of context with what we're going to look at this year. And then I'm going to preach a message on Nehemiah to hopefully inspire you. So I'm going to look at four areas this year as a church. And we put them up, Baz. First one is building one another. Does anybody else want to be encouraged? Does anybody else need to be encouraged? I know I need to be encouraged. The church is here to build one another up. Not knock each other down. Life does that to us, right? Don't worry about knocking each other down. Let's build each other up, okay? And uh, that's a commitment to small groups, ministries, courses, investing in you. We need to build one another up. And you can play a part in this. You can go to a small group. You could lead a small group. You might not yet, but I remember when I first started the church, Sarah took me to a small group. I had no background of church. She took me along and then she said, will you pray? It freaked me out. She was just giving me a little bit at a time. She was building me up. I was just naive. I'm like, I can't pray. What do I say? She was building me up. And then she says, you know, a couple said to us, will you lead a small group? I'm like, I can't lead a small group. I don't know enough. This is what it did. I better read. I better read and find out. It builds you up. Do you see what I'm saying? None of us have got it all together. None of us are fully qualified, but we've got opportunity to be built up as we step up. Amen? It's, it's about developing us as we step out and take opportunity. And Sarah, me and Sarah got put in a small group and we led a small group. And I tell you what, it was the best experience. Well, not the best experience. Let me get that right. It was probably the most developing experience. We had a man in there. I'm not going to name who he was. He's not in this church at the moment. I think he had mental health issues. He was very angry. Every week he was angry. It helped us to grow in grace. And it helps us to grow in love. And I'd pray that he wouldn't turn up. Because I thought if he turned up, he might hit me. He was, that, he was that aggressive. But here's, here's what it did. It built us up. And each one of us need to be built up. Each one of us need to find our place. So we've got, to, we've got to be committed to building one another and loving one another. Amen? The second thing we're going to be committed to is building builders. We need some people, like I said, who can step up and lead these small groups. We need some people who are going to step up and lead, like with Rob, with youth and lead ministries. And we're going to be investing in people this year, spending time putting things on for people to help them develop as leaders. And when we say leaders, we mean servants. That's what we want. We're not after people that, I'm a leader, I want a position. No, 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 we're after people whose hearts say, how can I help? How can I help? You know, I, I shared with the leaders this week about, I think this is an illustration of heaven on earth. Are you ready? This, this is an illustration of heaven on earth. You know when when a baby arrives, the baby turns up, they straight away demand everything. They demand food, they demand clothes, they demand nappies, they demand time, they demand your time of lack of sleep, and you just, they demand as soon as they're there, okay? Does that make sense? They demand everything from you. There's no, how can I help when the baby arrives? Now imagine a baby popping out and going, hi, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Mom, Dad, put your feet up. I'll put the kettle on. You you, you just have a rest. What burdens can I carry on this job now? 
What job, what, what list do you want to give me as a baby? Can you imagine that? That's what we're looking for, church. We're looking us to grow from being an immature person who demands and is a consumer to one who says, I'm here to help. What can I do to help? What burden can I carry? What weight can I take? Who needs help? Who's, 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 who's? Jesus came to help, amen? He didn't come and sit and say, right, who's going to serve me? Who's going who's gonna to meet my needs? Who, who's going who's gonna to be the one who does what I tell him to do? No, 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 no. He says, watch what I do and follow me. Come with me and I can make you. I am here to serve you. Can you imagine everybody in the church going, hi, I'm here to help. Can you imagine us all doing that? Everybody trying to help each other and support one another and encourage. It's the body of Christ. Hi, I'm here to help. And that's a challenge for some of us because if we're honest, we are selfish. We have a flesh that demands me, I. We have pride that needs to be humbled a bit and think, actually, life's not about me. It's about helping other people as well. It's about getting the right balance. And we want to develop servants. I've put leaders because you do need to lead, but we really need servant leaders. Amen? And then we need to build, next one, community. We need to keep building with the community. And some of you are already doing that. You're doing it personally by your job and where you are, and you're building community within communities. But we want to be committed to the local community. That's why we do like togs and we give clothes out. It helps to bridge the gap. We put events on like community uh, days where we have the fun day around the back. You can all come and make a statement on that. You can carry a burden and go, how can I help on the fun day? So we're building something bigger than what we built before so it can have more of an impact on the community. We've all got a place. We can all do something. So we're going to be committed to building community with local schools, food bank is still there. If you want to give food, it's, there's a basket out there. You can be, bring food for local people. And then the last one, building mission. Anybody, anybody like going on mission? Some of you think I don't want to stay at home. You know, building mission. At the moment, we're working with uh, African New Life. Some of you have seen Pastor Charles. We're looking at partnering with African New Life. We're still in discussion with how that works. But we definitely are going to do something with them. So if you want to go on a mission trip, 2019 is probably going to be the year that we're going to do a mission trip to Africa. We're still in the background sorting that out, but begin to save, begin to think, and yet I want to be involved in a mission trip. Your mission trip might not be Africa. Your mission trip might be your neighborhood. Your mission trip might be your workplace. That's your mission trip. So it's not just about going Africa. It's about finding the mission for you where you are and where you're at. This is going to be my mission this year. This is what I'm going to believe for as I take the good news. So building one another, building builders, building community, and building mission. I believe the foundations are in, and those are the four areas we need to focus on this year. Is that okay? Now, at the end of this, I'm going to ask you something personally that you can think about getting involved in. So I want you to begin to think, what area can I get involved in? What can I do in the church? Does that make sense? Are we on board? I'm excited. I'm feeling content in myself that this foundation is in and God wants to build. Now, just to give you a vision of that, at the moment we have 200 people. So let's say on this wall, we're here and we've got 200 people. Now I want you to imagine 400 people. That's going to create some problems, yes? Because we have 50 kids in church and if we double now, we have 100 kids in church, we've got a problem. 
We've got a problem with space. We've got a problem with volunteers because you have to have ratios. So we have problems as we expand as a church to meet together. Does this make sense? We need small groups, more small groups, more. So we as a people have to say, am I going to watch from a distance or am I going to get on board and say, I want to help this church arise? Or are we going to stay as we are at 200 people? I'm happy to stay at 200 people, but I'm not happy. Because I think the church needs to grow and expand and make a statement in this community and in this nation that the church is alive. But it's going to take each one of us to say, yet yeah, I'm on board. Yes, I will help. I will arise and I will build. I will be a part of God's body. I will be a builder. Are you my friend this morning? Or we can say, no, we're just going to stay no change. Because between 200 and 400 means change. Because otherwise, if we don't change, we'll be the same. And I'm not asking you to do anything that you can't do. I believe there's something in each one of us that we can give to the body of Christ to help this thing to grow. So hopefully that'll give you an idea. I'm not saying we're going to grow to 400 people, but we have to have a mindset to believe that the church is going to grow. If it doesn't grow numerically, we have to believe we're going to grow in maturity so that we can be effective with what God's given us. We can stay at 200 and be effective and more effective with what we've been given. But I do believe we're called, because I've seen trees as far as the eye can see, so we have to prepare people to get ready for more people. Sorry, I'm going to keep hitting this one because I feel it's right that we have to grow people to help people to become living stones so that we can all be knit together and we can all carry some weight of responsibility. Are you still my friend this morning? You know, it's not easy coming into a bigger church because in a bigger church, you feel like, oh, there's too many people. That's another mindset that we have to get past. There's more people, so there's more friends. There's just lots of mindsets that we find in bigger church that we'll have to walk through. So I'm going to look at Nehemiah now, and uh, I'm going to give you some peas. I'm going to give you not three points. I'm going to give you 10 points just because I'm feeling generous this morning. If you fall asleep at point three, forgive me, and I'll try and wake you up at point 10. And... Uh, the, the 10 Ps I'm going to give you that have inspired me as I've looked at this scripture, okay? So the first, if we're going to arise and build this year, we're going to look at how Nehemiah arose and built. built. And the first thing Nehemiah did is he identified a problem. You know, if you're going to rebuild something, you want an area of your life rebuilt, you're going to have to identify, yeah, there's a problem there. It might not be a personal problem. It might be. It might be a financial problem. It might be a relational problem that you have to commit and you have a problem there that you need to work through. It might be a church problem that you see and say, do you know what? There's a need on that, kids. I need to step up. There may be a problem that you hear about and see and then respond to. Nehemiah heard there was a problem. It says in chapter 1, This is when the people are coming back and he he meets some of the people that have come out of exile. And they say this to him. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So Nehemiah heard there was a problem. He could have ignored it. He could have just sat down and gone, yeah, that's their problem. I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm happy over here. I'm a a cupbearer to the king. I'm going to stay in my job. I'm happy with my job. I'm getting paid for my job. I get blessed in my job. I don't want to get involved with that problem. That's not my problem. Nehemiah didn't do that. 
Nehemiah heard there was a problem and he arose and he began to respond to it. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to identify a problem that you want to be rebuilt. It might be a personal problem. It might be an area of your life. It might be somebody that you want to help and support in the next year. The next thing that Nehemiah had, and I think each one of us have, is a passion. Is anybody passionate about football? <laughs> one person. See? We need one. We only need one to change a football club. Anybody passionate about bird watching? Nobody will own up to that one. <laughs> Anybody passionate about cars? Yay, okay. Okay, there's a passion. There's a passion in each one of us. Michael's passionate about cycling. He gets up most mornings, whatever the weather, even on when it's icy, and he goes pedaling away in the morning. I think he's crazy. I'd be fine buy one of them they're in the house and you just pedal on one of them. I just don't get it. But he's passionate about him. So it gets him out of bed. It gets him up. It gets him doing what he likes to do. Nehemiah had a passion. He had a passion. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Why? Because he had a passion. What did he have a passion for? People. He loved people. Are there any people in this room that love people? Because this is the business we're in, loving people. We're not into building walls so we look good. We're into building people. We're into loving people. We're into helping people, welcoming people, serving people on the cafe, serving the kids, serving the youth, helping one another. We're into people. Nehemiah had a passion about people. So therefore he was distraught in his heart because of what was happening. The disgrace of God's people he wasn't happy about. He knew there was a problem, but he had a passion. The next thing, and we've got people up there as well. The next thing is this, and I, I really believe in this. If you want to break through, and it's not just, it's not just this because you have to do things as well, but I believe this is a significant thing that we have to do to get a breakthrough, what Nehemiah did. I've seen this happen personally, and I've seen it happen with other people as well. It, the next thing he does, is he prays. If we want changed lives, if you want people to be experience God, if you want to see a breakthrough in God, it's going to take some prayer and fasting. Because how can you break through if our connection to God isn't connected? How can we receive from God a breakthrough if we're not connected in prayer? And Nehemiah jumped straight into prayer. He didn't have to do that. He could have gone, right, I can go and build this wall. But he didn't. He didn't jump in. He didn't go running. He went to God first and foremost. Because he knew if he went to God first and foremost, he would get what he needed in order to do what he wanted to do. And he's aligning his heart and his passion up with God's heart and passion and who God is. So he says this in verse 4 from uh, through to 11, I think it is. It says, oh Lord... God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Wow. The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. Your servant is praying before you day and night, your servants, the people of Israel. I confess. So he identifies the problem 
and he acknowledges part of the problem is his doing as he takes ownership of his people. So he says, I confess the sins we Israelites. He doesn't say they. He doesn't say it's their fault. He says it's my fault. It's our fault. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And then he says this. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But, we need a good but, but... If you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my nation. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this and your servant and to the revering your name. Sorry, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servants the success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And he's talking about the king. So prayer is key because it connects us to God. If there is no prayer, there is no connection. We know about God, but we're not in the reality of discovering his presence on a daily basis. So we go through our day and we forget that God is with us. We go through every choice that we make, forgetting that God is with us because we've not reminded ourselves in prayer and in conversation by looking at his promise and looking at his word of who God is. So we go and we forget and we don't get a breakthrough. But if we go to God first and we're reminded of who God is and how great he is and how powerful he is and how his love is never ending, his covenants with me, even though people reject me and hurt me, but God's love is with me and never ends, I remind you, God, of your promise, then we'll get a breakthrough. You might not break through in circumstances, but you'll get a breakthrough in you. Something will change in you because God expands you as an individual. He matures you as an individual. He gives you more grace. He gives you more love. He gives you more kindness. He gives you more joy in the circumstances. Because he's doing something in you, therefore then he can do something through you. And until it's done in you, he can't release you to do it through you because it's not done in you. There's no presence, there's no power, there's no breakthrough, there's no anointing that changes people's lives because you haven't got it to give it. But when you've got it, you can give it. You can speak it, you can know it, it you can keep going, you can break through because you know God is faithful and God is good. Are you still with me? So here's the difference. He goes in prayer. So when we say to the church, we're going to pray church, what are we going to do? We're going to arise, we're going to arise and begin to connect with God because we want to get something from God. We need a word from God for breakthrough. We need a word for people individually for breakthrough. We need a word for people in our family to cause breakthrough. We need something different to happen. So we're going to seek God for him and who he is so we'll get a breakthrough. So when we say we're praying and fasting, what are we going to do? Praying fast. Now, you may say, I don't really want to pray. I don't know how to do that. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. It's if you really want God. That's the essence of it. Do you really want to find God? Do you really want to seek God? Do you really want to discover him and something new about him and go, whoo, you are mighty. You are great. That's what Nehemiah does. He goes to God first in prayer. And this is where the breakthrough comes. How many Ps have we done? Problem, passion, people, prayer. And the next one is promise. Promise. 
You see, you base your life on a promise. You don't break, base it on a wishy-washy idea or emotion. You base it on truth. You base it on promise. Nehemiah knew the promise. He knew who God was, almighty God. He knew what he promised, an everlasting covenant. He was not basing his prayer on somebody he didn't know. He based it on the word of God and the promise of God. So when we're building, we're not building on wishy-washy or emotion. We're building on the word of God. We're building our lives on Jesus. I am committed to Jesus. I am going to love everlasting love as long as I'm here because I'm committed to Jesus. Jesus promises everlasting love. Therefore, I'm going to give everlasting love. It's based on Jesus. And Nehemiah comes to the word of God to remind him who he is. God, you said you're an everlasting God. You promise everlasting love. I'm going to come to you and ask for favor. So the next thing that happens is when the promise is in here, The presence is in here. And it says that he then goes before the king. And he goes towards the king because he needs some things from the king. He needs to go to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, he hasn't got resource. He hasn't got stuff to build the gates that have been burnt down. He hasn't got the resource. So he knows he has to go to the king and get favor. The natural king, the earthly king, not the heavenly king. But he gets his connection with the heavenly king so that then he can get favor with the earthly king. And God makes it happen. His presence becomes real in their life. The favor of God becomes real to Nehemiah and he knows he's going to get success. So when he goes before the earthly king, he gets favor. He gets presence. I'm going to read what happens. Nehemiah 2. Are you still with me? Nehemiah 2. And I'll read from verses, we'll go from seven. It says, I also said to him, this is him going towards the king. If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residents. He's not asking for much, is he? He's a cupbearer in the king's presence. He stands and he drinks, so if it's poison, he stands in the gap just in case it's poison. He's prepared to get poisoned instead of the king. That's his daily job. And he says, I'm going to come to the king. I'm going to ask for all this water. I'm going to ask for all this resource. I want letters as well, so I get permission to go through the land. He's a bit cheeky, I think. And then he says, and because the gracious hand, this is what I like, and because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. Do you know the gracious hand of God is on you? Do you know when you come before him and you can come into his presence, that when you ask and it lines up to his will, you're going to get what he's promised? Or do you not know what he's promised? Do you know he's promised the Holy Spirit? Do you know he's promised forgiveness of all sin? Or you're still standing on the edge thinking I'm not worthy to go into his presence? No, no, he's made it possible that we go into his presence. And he purifies us. There's another P for you. He purifies us in his presence. Do you know the promise that you can come into his presence and get his favor? And when you line your asking up with his, what his will is, you're going to get his favor, his gracious hand over your life. Can you imagine us all like that at the church, believing for the grace of God and the favor of God, where each of you are at? I believe the grace of God is on this church. And then it says, 
And because the gracious hand of so I sent to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent an army and cavalry with me. Anybody want an army and a cavalry with them? Not just favour, a blinking army with you. The king's army, his angels, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. There's a letter that's been sent and it wasn't sent with the hand of a man. It was sent with the blood of Jesus Christ and it was written for you so that you have permission to come into his presence. Don't doubt his promise. Don't doubt the permission to come into his presence so you can receive from heaven God's grace, God's favour and God's permission to go and to be made brand new. This is the God that we serve that offers favour and grace. Gives them letters and an army. Do you know that God's with you? Do you know God's for you? Do we know that God is with us as a church? Or are we teary to go and say anything? No, 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 the grace of my God is with me. Let me share about him. Let me tell you what he's done for me life. Let me tell you how he's taken me into his presence and he's loved me. Or maybe you've never come into his presence. Maybe it's this year that actually you haven't come into his presence and you need to know his presence. Come into the presence of the king this year and to receive favour. And then, so there was promise, there was his presence. And there was three things that he gave. Provision, permission, and protection. God's given you permission to love people. He's given you permission to forgive yourself and move on from the past. He's given you provision He might not be giving you wood and and stuff to build gates, but he's giving you provision for you to be built up. He's giving you provision in you, spiritual riches in Christ Jesus. It says in Ephesians, every spiritual blessing has been poured out for you. There is no more blessing that God can pour out than he's already poured out. How do we make that a realization? The Holy Spirit makes that presence and revelation and that truth aware to us. He reveals the truth in our lives. So we stand with God. We sit with God in his presence. We enjoy his presence as a child coming to the Father. God has provided for me through Jesus. Jesus Christ. God has provided for me eternally. He has given me an army that will protect me all the days of my life and nothing can come against that army. I am safe in his presence. His provision is available, his permission is available and his protection is available. Whoa, God wants to build you up this year. Maybe there's some walls that have been knocked down in your life and it's time to move on and say this year this wall's getting built back up. I've been knocked down enough. I've had enough disappointment. God says it's time to arise and to build. Stop looking at the past. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get out of laziness. Get out of apathy. Get out of self-pity and say, this year I'm arising. Because God says, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Don't stay down anymore. Don't stay down. Get up. The church, rise up this year. There's protection. There's provision. There's favor. There's his presence. What more do we need? (laughs) What more do we need? You know, and then what happens in Nehemiah is this. He tells them about the grace. He tells them about the favor when he goes to the people. And then they all say, well, if that favor's with us, I'm on board. And I believe you as a people, you're on board. This year, a lot of people have got on board, and I believe you're on board. And then the people say, let us arise and start building and put our hand to good work. And then he finds out all these different people in all these different places that are perfume makers. Are there any perfume makers in here? Are there any beauticians? 
No. Maybe we need a beautician in church. I don't know. And there are gold makers, goldsmiths. Are there any goldsmiths in here? No. But there are teachers and there are doctors and there are carers and there are mums that look after kids, which is probably the most challenging job in the world and needs more <laughs> champion than anything, right? There are people that do day-to-day jobs. And that's what they did in Nehemiah. And it says, goldsmiths started to build the wall. Perfume makers began to build the wall. Daughters also joined in and began to build the wall. Everybody began to step up and say, I'll do my bit. Where can I help? I'm on board. What do you want me to do? So each one of them found their place. They found their place on this project they were doing. We've each got a place in God. Amen? And there's no, it's not like there's not enough room for us to go and get in. It's like we don't limit God to think, oh, there's not room for me in heaven. God's like, you know how big I am? I am the almighty God, great and almighty, and there's room for you in my house. So come in. There are many rooms, Jesus said, in the Father's house. And it's about us finding our place in the church, finding our gift, finding our talent, and beginning to use it to build one another up. So... Nehemiah got the people and they all started to do their bit. But, you know, I started to think, yeah, but why? I know they've got to build the wall. The, the church, why, why should we rise up? I'm quite content in my job and I've got enough money. I don't really need protection. I've, I've built my own. I've got a house. I've got, I've got everything I need and I've got money. I've got food. I don't really need to. There's nothing real. There's no problems. Why do we build? We arise and build Because of Jesus Christ. We arise and build because Jesus didn't stay on the throne. He came down to heaven. He didn't come and say, look at my fancy wall. His wall was broken down to death. His wall was left crumbled. His wall was left with almost seemed no hope in what he was doing. The reason we arise is because our God arose. The reason we arise is because we believe in Jesus. And Jesus is, Jesus is passionate about you. Jesus saw there was a problem and he didn't stay on his throne. Jesus came with the promise. He came with a passion. He came for the people and he still prays for you now. He came with the promise. He came with his presence. He came for provision. He came with permission. He came with protection and he came so that he could find you a place in the Father's house. That's why we arise and build. Not because what we do but because of what Jesus Christ has done. He went to death for you. He took on your sin so he could protect you from the punishment of the father and the judgment he paid for your judgment so that you could get back up again so that there's no longer sin that holds you but the chain of sin has been broken death has been broken so now you can arise and be built up again that's why we arise because of Jesus is anybody in love with Jesus I'm in love with Jesus because Jesus forgave my sin. I'm in love with Jesus because Jesus delivered me. I'm in love with Jesus because Jesus healed my broken heart. That's why I arise and build. And there's people in this room that say, yeah, I love Jesus. And I want to see his body built up. Can you imagine saying, talking about Jesus and loving Jesus, but we never build his body? Just talking about Jesus. The head of Jesus, what he's about, what Jesus thinks, but we never see his body on earth just a head of Jesus walking around. I don't want to see a head of Jesus. I don't want Jesus in my head. I want Jesus in my body. 
I want to see the church, the body, becoming all that Jesus is in this world. Is anybody else? I want to see the body of Christ rise up and begin to be built up so the church can be built up and we see a generation coming through and we see the church being all that God wants it to be. But you know, that takes you and me to make a choice and to do something. This is the last P. I didn't put on the 10. But you have to do something personal. You know, I got a little thing I did with the girls last night and I said, if there were 10 people sitting by the wall and five of them, I said to the girls, five of them decided to build the wall. How many people would be sitting at the side of the wall? They looked at me as though I was crazy. Dad, that's a simple math question. I said, how many, how many are sitting at the side of the wall? Five decide to build. How many build and how many are sitting at the side? And they said, five. I said, no, there's 10 sitting at the side. Because deciding to build and not building is different than actual building. Do you hear what I'm saying? So today you're going to decide. But you're not going to just decide. You're going to choose to put something into action. You're going to become what you say you're going to do. So in your little booklet we've prepared for you, at the back, if you turn to it, you need it. If, if you're on board, if you're not, that's fine. If you're just a visitor, that's not a problem. You can still do this personally for your life and something you're doing this year. You may have already done something similar. But I want you to look at this booklet at the back page. And I want you to take a moment and think, right, personally, what can I do this year? What can I do to find my place? Maybe that's go and fill a volunteer for me. And there's some, at the back, on the wall, there's some ideas if you want to know what to do, that you can go and fill a volunteer for me and look at the things that you can get involved in. It could be that you need to find your place in God that you don't know you loved, that you need to commit to Him searching for him, looking in his word, what he says, talk to people about knowing that you're loved and finding your place in him. And then we've got a rise and build. I'm going to commit to, I think the biggest challenge for the church is to turn up on a Sunday. That's a statement of faith, a statement of maturity, that I will arise out of my bed, I will arise out of my emotions, and I will get to the body of Christ, and I will come and say, how can I help I can come and encourage people. And even if you can't get here because you're sick, you text someone and say, guys, I'm with you today. Have a great day. I'm not feeling 100%. At least they know you're not 100% and they can send you on to encourage you and come visit you. But if you're not in that community and in that, it's not going to happen. But you say, do you know what? I'm going to arise and build this year. I'm going to be committed to a small group. I'm going to look for opportunity to develop as a leader. And then the last box, it says, breathe new life. I really feel this is an important phrase this year. Arise and build and breathe new life. We're called breathe. So why not breathe new life? Why not begin to prophesy into situations based on God's promise? I'm going to believe for kids, church. And you know, sometimes that doesn't mean that you have to go and say, I'm believing this with words. Turning up, volunteering, a new volunteer is one of the best ways of breathing new life into a team. 
I, I, I tell you, when people turn up and people show and people are there and people, there's nothing better than breathing new life into a team of people. And that's the gift that you have, that you can come and you can be and you can give and find your place into a team, a part, so that the church can begin to move from 200 as we get new people and we serve one another and all of a sudden we can hit 300 people because we can accommodate it. Now I know there are other problems with that and I'm going to talk next week about the building and different things we're going to do as we take an offering for next week. But you as a living stone can find your place this year. You can arise and build and breathe new life into a situation. So I want to ask that you fill that in and you create some accountability with someone <laughs> not on a negative that someone's checking up on you but on a positive can you encourage me to do this this year so I don't fade away and hide off so I get some substance in me so I take some responsibility what I said I'm going to do I actually do and hopefully that'll help to remind yourself this year I said I'm going to do this did I do it Did I become a part of what God wants to build or did I just retreat back? And there are people in this church that do it. Week in, week out, they serve. And, you know, it's wonderful. And they do a great job. But I know they need help. I know music, they need more musicians. We need need more to release them and breathe new life into them so they can flourish. So it's your choice personally. You don't have to, but I encourage you to decide today and follow that decision through. Don't be somebody who sits on the wall, by the wall and says, I've decided to do it, but don't do anything. Be the person who gets up out of who you, where you are and begin to do something in the building process. Does that make sense?